0: Welcome to the Gig Boss Podcast. We got Jason Fabus on the show, uh, originally from Milwaukee. Two of us met at the University of Minnesota way back in the day, spent some time in Minneapolis and moved out to L.A. He's kicking some major butt out there. Uh, And, uh, you know, he does a whole bunch of stuff, beats, uh, collaborates with artists in worlds of pop and R&B and soul, plays saxophone in his own groups, a lot of them leaning towards the early jazz eras. He's a vocalist. He plays accordion in his band West Coast Prost, uh, a polka band based in the L.A. area. Steadily growing his Spotify and YouTube followings with nearly 30,000 monthly listeners on Spotify. Truly a man of many talents and bursting stereotypes left and right. Ladies and gentlemen, Jason Fabus. Come on. What's up? (laughs) Adam Meckler. So what was the year (laughs) that we first uh, laid eyes on each other? Was it 2009? Uh, I think it was. I think it was about 2009. I started my master's when you started your undergrad. I was, yeah, we started, um, I
1: I went into Minnesota in 2007. So this would have been, I think, going into my junior year. Oh, really? Which for me was the first year that I was actually getting into the, you know, the top jazz band and, and that's how I got to meet you.
0: Oh, okay. I see. So you're a little older than I thought you were when we first met Yeah, I think I was a
1: junior. I just didn't act like one. (laughs) Or probably didn't even play like one, to be honest.
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah, you sounded good, man. You were doing some good things. I just remember, dude, like,
1: I'm serious, not trying to, like, blow steam up your ass, but (laughs) you were the first guy that, like, you came into the school, and uh, me and my buddies, like Nelson, were both just like, who's this dude? It's a trumpet player. He plays jazz. He sounds like Roy Hargrove. And we were just like, holy shit. I just remember like we were both, we looked at you, we looked up to you like a big brother. So we were always trying to like just get a compliment from
0: you or get something, you know, (laughs) try to hang out with you. (laughs) Well, we all started playing together a bunch, man. Different, different things. My orchestra, you guys both played in my orchestra for a long time. Oh yeah, dude. I missed that. Which was really cool. AMO. Still going, right? Still going, baby. Yeah. We got a, we just did another album, came out in August and then we have another one uh, we're going to record in the summer.
1: Yeah, that was We're really doing cool. Do an album
0: called "Sampled," where we do a bunch of music that was sampled by hip hop artists, but I'm doing new big band arrangements of songs that have been sampled before. And then I like that, dude. Doing them as hip hop. Dude, speaking
1: well. of that, have you heard? Uh, there's, I think, an orchestra in, I think they're in the UK, and they do all the uh, they arranged big band arrangements of beats that MF Doom rapped over. Oh, sick! I have not.
0: I've not um, heard that.
1: Shoot, I forget their name. I want to be able to shout them out. But yeah, they do a bunch of the MF Doom beats as an orchestra. I think it's called the Abstract Orchestra. MF Doom
0: is on Rhymesayers, right? I think MF Doom is on Rhymesayers in Minneapolis. Was he? I think he... Yeah, I think he was.
1: Yeah, the group is called the Abstract Orchestra.
0: The Abstract Orchestra. Cool.
1: Definitely worth checking out. That was like... I think that kind of got me... Stuff like that gets me really motivated with the whole... I know we're stuck at home, it seems, but, like, we can still collaborate with other musicians across the world. And, like, yeah, when you hear stuff that's crossing genres like that so easily, it's like, oh, yeah, there's still, like, so much creativity out there. We just, we have to find it in different ways right now. We can't just be going to our friends' gigs left
0: and right. Yeah, totally. Totally. You know what I remember? I remember visiting your dorm room. Maybe you lived with Nelson? And you were like, you were already at at that time making beats too. Like you, you came in as a saxophone player, right? And you were like a saxophone major and you played jazz Mm. and stuff. But you were already doing the Logic thing. I was doing, uh, I was doing the pre-dating
1: Logic. I was doing the, the FL studio Fruity Loops thing. Nice. It was like great. It still is a really great program for like starting to fuck around and make beats. And, and then I'd, I'd use virtual DJ, which is a nice, uh, you know, turntable app that you can put on your computer. And I'd start working with like sampling two different things together or starting to put cues on a record that I liked and like making a pattern out of it that I liked. The shit cool. that like Kanye West was doing and like early on yep. and J Dilla and, and Madlib, And like, so for some reason, dude, I got into it at the end of high school. I was always into hip hop, but I was totally misguided. I was just like a suburban white kid in wisconsin like yeah so we're only listening to what the radio was throwing at us at the time which luckily was still some pretty good shit i was
0: like, gonna say like back then it, at least when i was a kid it was like jay-z was on the radio and ludicrous dre and there were a lot the of whole west dre, coast dre, scene yeah. was on the radio totally
1: but i i remember it was you know we were the era of kids that were um we were like digital seekers because like when youtube came out 2004-ish, right? Mm -hmm. When YouTube first came out, it didn't tell you what to look for. It was just like a blank canvas. You had to think of, what am I going to type in here and try to find right now? Sure. And it was the same even when we were like looking for music, like if you go down to Napster or like LimeWire, all these like torrent websites and shit. Again, you're just, you're opening up a page and it's just a search bar and you're like, hmm, what do I want? And I remember one day... No
0: suggestion algorithm.
1: (laughs) No big data yet. Yeah. And I, I want us to kind of go back to those days. Like they should have at least a button on YouTube or Google that just like just blanks it out, like discover mode or something where you have to th- critically think, what do I want to watch right now? Because what happened for me was I would type in jazz and then maybe like saxophone and hip hop. I just write in these words. And then I think the first thing that came up was We Got the Jazz by Tribe Call Quest.
0: <laughs> nice
1: so here i am this like kid in wisconsin listening My to whatever's tribe. on the radio and then all of a sudden i find we got the jazz by tribe called quest and it's like boom yep. i'm taking off now i'm just like holy shit there's hip-hop producers sampling jazz records and like yep. and it swings and then you start to find uh instrumentalists who are playing covers of hip-hop beats like robert glasper yep. <laughs> doing the dill shit and it's like holy
0: shit <laughs> yeah and it's there a, you it's go wormhole <laughs> yeah yeah that's very cool man I, you know i want to touch a little bit more on like your last year in high school you're using fl studio you're you're making beats to for me like i was always so obsessed with being good at trumpet that i always thought like oh somebody else will handle being able to record and some Mm -hmm. you know of course over the last six years uh, basically since my first son was born i started teaching myself how to use pro tools and logic and it it became very clear that it's like there's no way of avoiding this i have to learn how to use this stuff i have to get up to speed with how to record myself Mm -hmm. how to do multiple layers that kind of stuff how to make beats maybe um you know but it feels like there's this really real generational gap between like like i was right on the edge of people that that didn't learn that in school, where the technology maybe wasn't as accessible when I was in high school. And you're not that much younger than me, but how old are you now? I'm 32. 32, yeah. Uh, so you're like five years younger than me. Um, and I th- like I heard nothing about this kind of technology when I was in high school, like zero. You know, I, and I was in all the music programs. It's like you'd think somebody would would have been like here's a program where you can record yourself. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know why that would never... And I was writing songs on guitar and, like, you know, I could have totally benefited from something like that. Uh, But then I started teaching at, you know, McNally Smith College of Music later on, which is this contemporary music school. And it was, like, being around those students, everyone knew how to use the gear. And I was like, oh, man, this is... I really have to know. Like, do you feel like that uh, has guided your career in a big way? Do you feel like you you know, gave you a competitive edge coming out of, of college and kind of going into the industry? I don't look at
1: it as an advantage because I still look up to people who are, that maybe keep their mindset more finite on like, I just want to play this instrument and maybe I just want to write my own music and be my own voice. I admire the hell out of that. Like that's, yeah. that's the the true artist path. I think for me, it just, I've always shown signs even as a young kid in music that i was more of a producer like i was listening to other people and experimenting with sounds early on like before fl studio when i was you know 13 or 14 i'd start picking up my mom's classical guitar that she had it was a classical yamaha and i'd start like learning chords or like i taught myself accordion and then i'd start recording it on you know a shitty little voice microphone that you get with your gateway computer in 95 and i'd start going on sound recorder and just literally recording stuff to the metronome on my keyboard because i didn't know how to do a click track so i hit i hit the metronome button on my keyboard and i just start going so like i just think it was it's just who i've always been i'm just finally
0: starting to get better at it (laughs) yeah yeah hell yeah the pandemic for me really pushed me that's a great lesson like it takes time for these things to develop but for you to develop as a as a human like using using like essentially it's like another instrument right like learning to use the computer to make music it's like another instrument or learning to record yourself Uh, but also your taste your, your skills catch up with your taste right over time
1: yes and for me maybe it was something that was always kind of a passion that was i was kind of putting on the back burner and focusing my time on getting better at saxophone and then starting to work and do gigs on that, freelance. When you move to L.A., it's kind of inevitable. You just get sucked into this freelance scene because there's so much work out here. Mm. Um, But a lot of it is you're playing live and and you're playing in the studio. So, like, that was just something that was always on the backside for me is I have these creative projects and ideas that I want to be able to put down. And uh, I never stopped. I just kept going. But certainly this pandemic was like a... A moment for me where i'm like holy shit it's time to just put a hundred percent of my effort on this right now yeah we're not playing gigs outside right now we're not even allowed to go hang with buddies and play we started doing that pretty early on but but you know we're trying to be safe and
0: yeah and, I mean, sa- and stay sane great like live stream concerts you get you, you i remember you telling me that you made some good money doing that uh early on in the pandemic time we did
1: yeah we did one early which was smart we did it um March 15th, we, like... Yeah. I called the quartet, we called the FAPUS Four, and then we have our singer Natalie Mendoza and a couple other friends were hanging. And we said, let's just do a concert at the house. Um, And the generosity that we got from friends and family, like, all over Facebook was honestly too much. I'm super grateful for that. And the donations were very nice. And, like, after that, we split it amongst the band and we're like, we better... uh we better hold off doing live streams and let some other people do theirs. Everybody gets their turn, I think.
0: Right, right. And that that got pretty fatiguing, I think, for for listeners too. Like to have so many live streams happening all I the know. time. And it's to, hard. To we're to trying like, to like, beg people to everybody. I want to, you know, right. especially musicians for other musicians. It's like, what what can we do? Like we're all hurting. it's like everybody's trying to make money on live streams. You know. Right. I remember talking to uh, or hearing Corey Wong say something about making the experience really unique and interesting when you do a live stream. You know, he's done a bunch of stuff. He did a live stream like a live thing in Miami where they all flew down to Miami and they did something. I think it was Miami. Mm-hmm. And then they, you know, we just did. I did something with him and and Kaz um, on a cruise on a little cruise boat. Seen it, uh, love it. Yeah, keep doing, doing it. I love funny. what you guys are what doing, a man. Cool, man, like I'm just. Come to LA. I'm a very very small part of that, you know. Like he's he's crushing, and he's got other trumpet players that he works with, and that's great. Talk uh, about right, like a creative mind who hears yeah. things and is like, I'm going to call all the people
1: and put it together and make it happen.
0: Yeah, totally. I love he's, that. Like when you said you're a pr- you have a producer mindset, like that's that's very much how I I view Corey too. Yeah. Like, he's just a brilliant producer and. An also a great artist, and, can, and also great artist, amazing <laughs> guitar player. Of course, like he, he's a total package. I mean, he mixes like he mixes all of his shit too. Like, sit down at the board and mix everything. Uh, so he's, I mean, he's a he's a bad bad dude, no doubt about it.
1: I have a question uh, for you. So yeah, as, as we reached this period of time where a lot of musicians were forced or perhaps like awakened to the reality of like, okay, I got to be able to record at home or know how yeah. to start producing or at least you know, reaching out to the right people and networking like that. Um, Have you adjusted how you're teaching now with the kids, the, the college kids?
0: Well, my students aren't trying to be professional musicians. So there's that. Like my – you know, I don't have music majors at, at Michigan Tech. Michigan Tech is – I have engineering majors. I have like materials engineers and mechanical engineers. Okay. Like civic engineers. You know what I mean? I do have some students that are like sound design majors, audio production and technology majors. and those, So we have like tech tech side of the music industry, which I think is really cool. And those students are leaving with the skills that you need yeah. you know, to, to really – do it. And but is this I something have, we should
1: be putting into programs you think with music yeah. majors? Oh yeah. man.
0: And I think McNally Smith was doing it really yeah. well and uh, in a lot of ways like had an amazing student population and faculty and it was just like it was the stuff above that that was that was screwy and they they were trying to fix it. I mean, they were trying to trying to make it work, but uh yeah, I think that's like you have to conservatories have to start like I took a recording class when I went to Lawrence University, but it was it was like nothing, and it was kind of a blow-off class, and, and nobody – there was like one person that took it seriously, you know? And now, I like, looking back, I'm like, God, I wish I had paid attention to, like, what these different microphone types are and, like, how mm-hmm. to – you know, I, like, there's there's tons of – there's just so much. My initial learning curve was so steep – to learn how to use Pro Tools, I remember just constantly calling my engineer friends, like, oh, why can't I hear myself? Why can't I hear my playback? Why can't, you know, it's like constantly, in, you know, in out, 40, I'm doing it 45 minutes while Augie's taking a nap as a baby. You <laughs> know? I'm like, trying to fit it in, trying to learn so I can then record myself playing horns. And now, of course, like, I'm doing it all the time. Like, I'm recording for people remotely all the time. I record for the Hornheads remotely. Did some shit for Nathy Peluso recently, who's like one of the biggest uh, Argentinian stars you know she's, mm-hmm. she's got like 250 million views on all of her youtube videos totally insane And i'm doing all that from my you know from my home office Yep. here um uh, but yeah man like i i think it has to be happening on an educational level and like we we could dive into academia man that's a whole other thing of course and that's and, all, and i think academia right
1: now is actually it's like turning on its head right now
0: yeah but yeah. but certainly like
1: it doesn't need to be a class, but it needs to be something that's sprinkled into every class, basically. Every other class. Yeah. You could be doing theory assignments through logic, or you could be doing jazz theory and sending in recordings. Oh, yeah. Uh, or, you know, making, even making videos is, is important. <laughs> like, <laughs> totally. Being able to market your content. Even if it's just a freaking video on your phone of you playing a gig. I tell people this all the time. Like, They're like, so should I be doing, like, these big uh, photo shoots and and video shoots and, like, getting the band looking good and everything? I'm like, honestly, people love to just see you playing on a gig. Just set your phone up and take a 30- or 60-second video of you actually on a gig and send that to other venues. They don't need these, like, beautiful
0: (laughs) curated videos. You mean for booking purposes? Yeah. Interesting. Because you're not you're not like an Instagram guy. Like I was going to ask you about this because I remember you saying, I don't want to talk about it. (laughs) No, I remember you saying like, man, artists should ditch Instagram and go somewhere where you can make some money. And, uh, and I just thought that was such an insightful thing to say. And since we talked, I mean, I've totally pared down how much I do on Instagram and I've plugged way more energy into YouTube and into in just more recently trying to build a little bit on Spotify. I mean, I've been talking crap on Instagram for
1: a while and I don't, I don't mean it, I'm not uh, uh, talking shit directly to Instagram, because Instagram or TikTok, any of these social media platforms are powered by us and your own attention. So if you're annoyed with Instagram, then you just need to get off of it. And that's why people take breaks and shit like that. What was funny for me was I was talking so much shit on Instagram, and then one day I opened it up and
0: my page was locked. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I wonder if they my phone out. was listening to me. <laughs> they found out. I mean, it's better to find you on on YouTube and Spotify, right? I mean, you've got regular content happening on those platforms.
1: Yeah, and I think that's what I've been telling other musicians is YouTube especially is all set up the same way. You could be putting videos on it. You can be putting music through YouTube Music. Yeah. Uh, you can be putting up reels and shorts. Like, uh, I think they call it shorts. Sorry. They call them shorts. Yeah, And that's like the TikTok version of that. And then you can also put up a uh, community post to all your followers. Uh, so you can be putting up polls, questions, pictures, and literally you have all the same interaction that you'd have on Facebook, but now it's directly on a website that monetizes you. And I think right. as an artist, like that's the goal is... We, we have to understand that everybody's consuming all their content of ours, man, like either through a phone speaker and they're streaming it. It's like we need to understand that that's our monetization. It's at least got to be a part of how we operate moving yeah, forward. Totally. So yeah, I ditched yeah. Insta and I'm more on YouTube and, and Spotify, honestly. I can't tell you how many times I'll just meet people Uh, you know, in public and when they, when they, when that question comes up, so how can I find you? What's your Insta? That's what you usually get. I'll be like, well, I'm actually not on there right now. So it's like, I can either give you my number or please go follow me on uh, YouTube or on Spotify. And every time they're like, Oh yeah, they do it. And it's like, and now they're immediately getting to see your content. They're getting to know you as an artist better. So I I like that.
0: Yeah. I like YouTube a lot. I just started monetizing not long ago, less than a year ago. Yeah. You hit it Uh, in 2020. Did't yeah you? yeah, I hit it in 2020 and I had you know I had an account from like 2008 and I had a couple videos that had 30,000 views on them that I just deleted because I was like, these are videos. But did you notice videos. that that happened during 2020? like that
1: was the kind of the first pandemic wave and a lot of musicians realized, oh shit, I'm like 300 followers away or subscribers away from a thousand. From Monotons, and a lot right. of guys started hitting and obviously one of the ones who was under and is now way over is Emmett Cohen. That oh, dude, yeah. man, is the sessions. shit, man. Ooh, he's fearless, and like the energy they play with on those sessions is yeah. reflective of COVID. I think it's them saying like, "We're gonna go hard."
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Him and Kyle Poole and Russell Hall, dude. <laughs> yeah. Crushing. Oh, Stupid. all the guests they've had, and yeah. But he, I believe, he was under a thousand, or he was not very high at the time. Interesting. And now he's just he's utilized YouTube.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's great. And so when did you start? Like, how, what is your trajectory look like with, with YouTube and, and where are you at now?
1: I honestly, I've been thinking this year I should put more effort into it. Um, I've, I've kind of just coasted on what I what I post. But yeah. our Our Oktoberfest band is what got the most fame on YouTube. So it's kind of centered around that.
0: Cool. Um, is so that I, West
1: Coast or is that a different... That's West Coast Prost, yeah. Nice. We had a video we did in, in 2016. We shot three videos uh, at the Phoenix Club. It's a club in uh, a German club in uh, Anaheim that just had this gorgeous room, big you know spiral staircase going up, and a huge German flag with the American flag. And I was like, this is like such a great shot. I already saw the band there, so mm-hmm. I hit him up and like hired it for the day. It was, it was free. They were like, you guys can just come over and record.
0: <laughs> awesome.
1: So we recorded those videos, and the one we did of Beer Barrel Polka, also known as Roll Out the Barrel, Yep, yep. that one is just, YouTube loves it. It continues to do well. Every October, it has a huge kick. And then also in March, it always has a big kick. I'm not sure why.
0: Interesting. But
1: it just, it does well, and that's kind of been the, I think a lot of YouTubers say the same thing. They have that one video that maybe is really pushing their whole channel forward. And that yeah. allows them then to put out more content that might be other stuff that they want to talk about or express. So, of course, yeah. I'm putting jazz up there. Or I just put out a, a Lo-Fi Beats uh, playlist over two yeah, hours yeah. Of, Okay. Of
0: yeah shit. Yeah, so it's, <laughs> I saw this when it popped up. The title, Cold Brew and Stocks and Cannabis and Beats by JFAB. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> and it says Lo-Fi Chill Hop Instrumental Study Beats. I mean, like, tell me a bit about the <laughs> approach behind choose i mean you're obviously trying to hit a bunch of keywords and in a way yeah but that's also like that's been my motto the last two years man is like
1: probably in that order yeah and i think <laughs> cold it,
0: brews, talks, when you look at all those
1: part. words they i think they like to me they're humorous words like a lot of people might connect to them especially during this pandemic uh like Definitely. I, I love me a good cup of cold brew and i am a huge coffee snob and it, it's the way that I, I get I, I like look forward to waking up in the morning because I'm, I'm motivated by what I want to do and cold brew or good coffee kind of helps me get there yeah. uh, the stocks thing is kind of funny because I think a lot of people kind of woke up to that that like corporate America is raking in huge amounts of money right now while we all sit at home right. and uh, we
0: want to get and a piece of, of that we have the power pie. to manipulate it just as much as they do yeah
1: so whether uh. it's stocks it could be crypto it could be NFTs but uh, and, you know, and cannabis, man, that's what's just kind of kept me like not giving a fuck through this this whole thing. It's just kind of softened the blow of of all this yeah. to just stay happy and 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 still love and have gratitude for being alive and and still being able to make music through all this crap.
0: yeah, that's beautiful. And that's the beats. <laughs> and that's the beats. <laughs> yeah, that's great. you know you you mentioned that um you've attended some like, like these like lo-fi beat parties there's like house parties where people get together there's a bunch of beat makers that get together and kind of network and what's what's that like in in LA I mean I know you you make beats and been doing that for a while now you I remember you said like a bunch of these cats are 21 years old 22 that just finished a music degree maybe and they're just making lo-fi yeah. beats on Spotify
1: or there's cats who are like opera majors or classical majors or music therapists or harpists and yeah. And they steered into it, which I think is even crazier. Like, yeah. Maybe you'd expect a jazz or you know something like that, or somebody in production to get into beat making. But everybody's doing it, and uh, I'm sure that means that there's, there's still a lot of good and a lot of bad in that uh, genre. Yeah, but these course. producer hangs are great, because these are uh, people that have probably been doing it longer than I have, and have really made an online fan base. Uh, where they're not trying anymore. Like, now they have the freedom to just make music
0: and they know that their fan base is going to listen to it. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, I think that's Do you that's think amazing. any one of those people could, like, sell tickets to a show, sell out a concert hall or something? Yeah, I think I think as, there's a mixed bag there. Like, some of them are musicians, or uh, instrumentalists, I should say. Yeah.
1: Uh, where maybe they have one instrument that they're really confident in that. And then some of them aren't. Some of them literally got good at the computer being their instrument, and they a lot of what they do then is staying at home and and collaborating with others, but uh, for me personally, like, of course, like, I want to be able to turn a lot of these beats into live product, and uh, we've already been, me and my buddies, uh, the the producers that I work most closely with, and if you look at the playlist, you'll see their names all over it, uh, they happen to be the same two guys that are in my jazz trio, so... While I might play saxophone and Shane Savala plays guitar and Brian Ward plays bass, all three of us are also producing music in our own you know, style that we want. And on each track, we're helping each other out. We're throwing music and beats back and forth. We've been doing yeah. this the last couple of years. And even now, as like the music scene kind of woke back up for a little bit. Right now, it's kind of come back down.
0: There's a
1: lot of uncertainty. But the one thing yeah. that's certain is that we want to keep collaborating with each other and we we had a talk the other day even saying like we got to get back to it we got kind of distracted by the hustle of uh, of gig life
0: <laughs> right it's a, a interesting balance yeah can you talk a little bit about getting into that scene where you're like how do you get invited to a lo-fi beat party so like what if you're somebody who is graduating from college right now or like graduating from high school right now and you're a beat maker and you want to get connected in scenes like that
1: the the key is seriously it's collaboration. It's you have to reach out to other beat makers that you like. You can't just be listening to your own stuff and focusing on your own stuff all the time. You have to find other producers that are doing stuff that you like, and hit them up. <laughs> it's as easy. You're as literally
0: that. just like finding people that you like and and finding their email. A lot of guys are doing like that, that and gals. Well, they're DMing people on socials. Yep, they're finding each other
1: on social media usually,
0: and they are.
1: Honestly, just asking each other to jam, but through the computers by making beats, yeah. and and when that happens, so. what you start to see is, if if I put out a track with two other guys like Shane and Brian, and all three of us are on that track, it's bringing all three of those fan bases together. Now our right. fan bases might not be that big, but that doesn't concern me. Like the product is, is still what drives me. Whatever the song is, the, the product has to be dope. So if we like our song, and our little fan bases come together to like it, that's, that's how you do it. And you see everybody doing this. Uh, collaboration is key. And then going one step further is then starting to release music through uh, beats labels. And there's hundreds and probably thousands of those. Um, there's very big ones, there's very small ones. And these are basically collectives of producers who are putting out the music on their own and uh, have maybe more leverage to get listeners and followers through playlisting. Cool. So that's what I do. I work for uh, a a bunch of different uh, labels, actually, but there's one that I work with primarily, and it's Dash Go. That's the name of the company?
0: Dash Go. All right. Well, this is a good spot to pause and just real quick say that this episode is sponsored by GigBoss App. Uh, visit gigbossapp.com to check out. The Gig Boss app. The Gig Boss app is an organizational tool for freelance musicians. It's available everywhere now on iOS and Android. And real quick, you'll be able to find downloads or links to anything we talk about in these podcasts on gigbossapp.com. And just make sure that you leave us a review, give us a like, rate us five stars, whatever it takes, wherever you're listening. We really appreciate your support. So you were telling us a bit about Dash Go.
1: Bunch of great producers on that label. Uh, they're located in Santa Monica. And I like them because the guy who basically runs it, Rod Linnum, hit me up. He called me on the phone one day in 2020, and we had a great conversation. We talked about jazz. He listened to all my my jazz records. He was asking me about being a saxophone player. He just was a a fan. And then he told me about this company that he's doing, and I started creating uh, beats for him. It was like a perfect, you
0: know, it happened at the right time. And, and then uh, as a label, he's working to get you playlist spots? Like, what, what's, what's, what's his distribution uh, strategy?
1: Yeah, because they're a company. What, what their goal is is to make money just like our goal is to make money and, and yeah. get our music out to more people. But because they have a collection of producers, that's what gives them more power. And uh, it, is, it is a very competitive industry, and it's, that's not, I guess that's not the fun part about it. Uh, it's still a hustle. And I, yeah, I think, of course. again, what we're getting into here is, as we talk about production and and making beats for ma- for this matter, it's again another hustle. It's something that I have to wake up every day and think about and put some time in on, like you put time in on your instrument. Right. And so I've heard this said a lot before. I've heard people say, "Oh, you're you're really you're so good at the hustle, man. You're a really good hustler. You go out and get gigs." And they're like, "I don't. I'm not about that. I don't like that." Yeah. <laughs> And it's like, well, do you think I like that? <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. That's or do real. I just
1: choose to do it? Like, you know, to pick up your instrument and practice four hours a day is a hustle. Yeah. You know, yeah. or to go to the gym and work out for two hours every day. That's a hustle. So we have yeah. to also be able to take our music and be able to put in the time to, to
0: market it correctly. Yeah, booking get gigs, a fan booking base. tours. I mean, like, all of that is stuff that is the least favorite of the stuff that music makers do. You know, it's like, we don't want to be spending all of our time booking the shows. But, like, it's a means to an end. I mean, booking the shows means that you get to go and play in front of people and put on if a you want, show Yeah,
1: and so. if you want to make put your own product out there and get people to come see it, you have to do that hustle. If you don't and you just want to be a freelancer and... And get called in other people's pro- uh, projects, you can still do that in a lot of cities. I mean, yeah, it's not to say do, that yeah, you can't totally. do
0: that.
1: But totally. so maybe there is the difference is, is a, just a difference in
0: mindset of what you're trying to, to get out there. Yeah. So the Spotify hustle. Can you talk a little bit about like how you've managed to make it onto certain playlists? Like you know, I remember you saying, you know, in a previous conversation that you get up in the morning sometimes these just email email playlist owners just like straight up boots on the ground that's and that's what cold brew means to me
1: because when I wake up in the morning and have coffee what I do is I will I'll either be if I'm at the shop I'll have my phone with me but usually I do it at, at home with the computer and there's certain websites where you can pitch your music to public playlists that's basically the name of the game is you're trying to get your music put onto public playlists Yeah. because that's how you start to get Listeners, you need to market it yourself to your own following on social media, but you need to also market it to other people who have playlists that have already built in listeners. Even if it's a hundred listeners and not thousands and thousands of listeners, you have to not think about the numbers in that way. Yeah, (laughs) you have to just let it grow. Right.
0: Because it will be a, uh, you know, an exponential type thing. Yeah, so you're, and you're at almost 30,000 monthly listeners. What does that translate to in terms of like your yearly sh- – like if you were to post, like, here's my Spotify wrapped. Like what are you looking at at the end of the year now at 30,000 a month listeners?
1: And that, that's another thing, right? The Spotify wrapped came out, eh, I don't know, maybe a few years ago where they yeah. started telling artists uh, who are on Spotify, they'll give you all your data, and then at the end they give you this cute little picture that says your, you know, your final numbers of the year. And then they right. encourage you to share that to everybody. Uh, first of all, fuck you. I'm not gonna share that with everybody. <laughs> right? <laughs> it just that's not it's nobody's business. Okay. Just listen to my music, man. Like, don't you don't need to know that stuff. I'm happy to tell you guys that like I'll say this. I we don't have to get into the, the nitty-gritty, but right. uh I've I've kept a log of what I call passive income for me, which is gonna be uh, Spotify royalties from streaming, mm-hmm. but also Apple Music is another really great uh, place. Most people who are putting music out, it's going on Spotify, it's going on Apple, it's right. going on all these different things. The main two are Spotify and then Apple. Uh, Apple pays more. Right. But uh, so I'm I'm t- I'm totaling up Spotify, Apple, and YouTube
0: as your passive income package.
1: Yeah. And those are things those are three different things that I can find deposits on my account, add it up and keep tabs on it. Right. And I can confidently say that as a loss in An- or a, I live in Orange County, but I've been able to pay rent all year based on that uh, that passive income. That's awesome. And that was the goal, you know. Yeah. It's not it's not my full-time job. It's definitely not my full-time job. I'm not ever planning on getting rich off of doing it. What's more important to me is going out and playing shows and uh, and writing my own music. And to have your bills covered by passive income, that yeah. allows, it gives you that freedom.
0: Oh, hell yeah. To where that's now
1: awesome. I, I just feel like I have I'm I have the freedom to say yes or no to gigs that uh, I'm inspired by or not.
0: <laughs> right. I've got a little more freedom now. What a great feeling. I mean, that's, that's like why I started teaching, really. It's like I wanted to be mm-hmm. able to say... I don't want to play this funeral gig. I don't want to play this... You know, it's like there were certain gigs that I was like, man, this is such a drag. And you're always hanging that as a as a performer. You're always hanging that like, how much does a gig pay versus how cool is the music, right? And and you can have a gig where it's like the music is awesome and it pays nothing and you still do yeah. it. I had a teacher
1: um, uh, who probably got it from somebody else, but Sal Lozano, great saxophonist. And uh, he always said, it's like, there's three pillars to every gig. It says, and you if you get... <laughs> If you get two of those three, two out of three, then take the gig. He goes, right. if you get three out of three, that's a great gig. <laughs> yeah. He goes, but if it's only one, then you got to say no. What is it? The music, the money, and the hang? The, the first one is the bread. Yeah. You'd yeah. always say the bread, which is the money. How much does yep. it pay? The second one is the music, which to me means like, what are you playing? And is it uh, maybe pushing you or is it, do you really enjoy playing it? Yep. So for like the polka band... I just really enjoy playing that music,
0: man. But with the jazz, maybe playing playing with A.M.O.
1: It was like this is hard, hard fucking music that's gonna make me better. Yep. It was a different feeling, but it still hit it. And then the third one is the hang, right? Like who are you playing with? And again, that could be the same thing. Do you like hanging with them, or are you playing with John Diversa, big band, and something, and you're shitting your pants because now you're scared to hang out with these cats? Sure. That was me at the baked potato not too long ago. <laughs> I was scared, and by the end of that gig, I, I just I couldn't have felt better. He's such an amazing human, but like that's so you've cool. got to get two out of three of those. And I can't tell you, we all know those gigs where you don't like the music, you don't like who you're playing with, but no. you take it because it pays enough, and that's right. the hard one to say no
0: to. It's a hard one, and those are the ones that like down the road it's like it'd be nice if i didn't have to say yes to these kinds of things so
1: if you can figure out maybe whatever your creative passive income might be it might give you more right. freedom to say i'm not gonna do that one i'm gonna stay at home tonight
0: <laughs> yep.
1: yep i'm gonna talk to adam meckler on the, the computer <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yeah, it's friday night man i was i was, I was impressed we, we off like, baby hey, we off. Friday. i was like all right <laughs> let's do it. here i am <laughs> here i am also not working <laughs> But I'm up in the UP, man. It's different. There's not as much work up here. It's, uh, oh, come on. There's got to be gotta some be... good bars with women
1: dancing on the tables. <laughs> and they're pouring Schlitz off a tap from, like, yeah, 1940.
0: Right. Pouring Schlitz. <laughs> they're wearing muckluck boots.
1: Yeah. And do you, you wear Uber up.
0: hats? I don't wear Uber hats. Not Bro, you got to check this
1: one out. I got a good one. <laughs> <laughs> I got this, like... This was a Facebook targeted ad that really worked, I'm telling you.
0: <laughs> you see this shit? Oh yep, there it is. Classic University Uber hat of Minnesota Golden Gophers. For the Golden Gophers. Love it.
1: Yeah. Here, I'll how do I get it on? Can I do both?
0: Oh yes. <laughs> rock it for a little bit. Fantastic. You look like Jacob Collier. That's why like he's always got a funny hat. And <laughs> all of his videos. Also,
1: oh dude, another one of my favorite things now is I've been making shirts for friends. And this is a really funny one. Okay. I'm not going to even explain it. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna let saxophone players everywhere try to figure this one out. <laughs> LSK one. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> all right. All right. I don't get it. <laughs> oh, you're not supposed to get it. You're a trumpet player. Yeah. You yeah, yeah. You don't
0: know anything about LSK one. i have to. I'll have to unpack that. Uh, with some of my saxophone player students You'll have to ask them What the hell is sure. LSK1? What does he mean by that? What does this mean? <laughs> I'm constantly asking them that kind of stuff they're, they're literally like They're talking about some video game Or something in our chat today We had a yeah. virtual I yeah, I just recently I got COVID for the first time um, and so like, Recently?
1: Yeah, yeah like, Are you uh, an
0: Omicroner? Yeah, I'm an Omicroner, I guess Welcome um,
1: aboard, dude I don't think I got it <sighs> Yeah I was I early on positive, I was October of 2020 over here Nice, yeah. Wow, Recording really session right. out in Tulsa, Oklahoma. There was n- I didn't stand a chance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: it's went awesome. out there,
1: dude. We we hung out at a bar. Nobody's wearing masks, but the music was great. And I'm like, oh boy, dude. Tulsa is a rad city, man. Tulsa, Oklahoma is a ton it's of fun. There's some great. A musicians shit ton of people are moving out there. In one night, dude. In one night, I went to a, a honky tonk. I went to a singer songwriter thing where they're playing great funk music and then we went to a hip-hop night at this bar where wow. there's a live band and then a bunch of MCs come through and like jam it was like all in one night Tulsa cool. Oklahoma
0: yeah I spent some time down there with Todd Clouser's band in like the 2010s early 2010s it's great met some great, great city amazing musicians man. Great city. Met there's a really ton of COVID down there though oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> it, no COVID's not real down there man it doesn't exist <laughs> It never happened. Oh, it exists. Uh, I took some back with me.
1: Yeah, yeah, I bet. And it, dude, yeah. everybody got it. I felt so bad. Like, you, well, you don't know that you have it for a couple of days, right? So you take a plane ride back, and then you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. I think that's one of the saddest be. things about COVID is you you get so much, like, self-guilt. You're like, I was walking around for two, two three days before I knew it. <laughs>
0: yeah it's high it's hard man it's like now we it's like we gotta work we gotta work we gotta do some stuff and i was out with my students we we did a tour out to minneapolis and we went to a bunch of schools and like it was part of what we do every january and i booked it all before omicron was a thing and i was like all right let's see if we can hold it together and of course one of my students started getting sick on tuesday of the of the week-long tour like two days in of the second day and i was like okay this is you know we did our best but uh so several of us got it, including myself. We tried, you know, I tried to keep him away from the other students. So he was sitting up by me on the bus ride home on Friday. And was, was it like, a pretty probably, uh, uh, yeah. textbook as like everybody else or? Oh, it was, I mean, I had very mild symptoms. I'm, I'm vaccinated and boosted. So I, like I, I, mm-hmm. I had very mild symptoms for three days. Yeah. Uh, and today was the first day where I had like no, no real symptoms. Nice. So good the whole day. Yeah. And so
1: I really wish that we had more testing like early on, way early on. I wish that there were more more testing and the take-home tests, especially for entertainers and people trying to get out there and do shit like that. Yep. Testing yep. really is a it's, you know, it's effective because people are still getting it whether vaccinated or not and that's it's a reality, so. Right. We gotta, and we and I be wonder careful. when there's
0: going to be a time when like to me like the number one most compelling reason to not com- just completely open up, just not to say fuck it and open everything up, you know the, the most compelling reason is that hospitals get overrun, right? When mm-hmm. unvaccinated people get in there because they're way too sick from COVID, it's like then somebody has a heart attack and they gotta sit.
1: Yeah, yeah there's certain like hospitals that just get enrolled. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, and that, that's uh, that's, and I got two parents me, both like, from
1: healthcare, and that's very personal to them. Like, yeah, they feel yeah. really bad for. They don't think that people are really even the media is not even talking about that in a reality enough of how hard some of these uh, people work. <laughs> oh yeah, through all this crap. And you know what? Also, I I really think about like the the people at grocery stores, man. And like they've been working their tails off. Yeah. Through all this. They're they're essential workers. Yep. And they've been yep. working tons of hours. I, 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 I'm kind of a simpleton, man. I walk to the same grocery store basically every day, and I'll buy you know, whatever I want that, that night for dinner. And because yep. I go there every day, I know a lot of the people that work at the grocery store. We become friends now. Like, <laughs> we know each other by name. We'll hang out. <laughs> yeah, nice. And, man, they've just been working their tails off through all this. That's why you're seeing a lot of them going on strike right now. I feel like I'm just here in the middle of it like I just want to make noises that people like and make people yeah. smile.
0: Like, Well, I mean that goes back to like getting your getting your passive income hustle on. I mean that's like that, – that's a big part of what I'm trying to do myself and like yeah. what I want to – I want to talk to people like you that are doing that or that have done that on this podcast so that, so that our listeners can learn from that and go like, all right, how can I – but that's everything. You're, a, f- you're a fine example of that, though, right? Like you, right during the,
1: the pandemic is when you monetized your YouTube. And
0: yeah. you've
1: used it primarily as an educational tool.
0: Right. My
1: YouTube, maybe not as much educational stuff. It's a lot of, like, random videos. So, like, the beauty is you can you can still do whatever you want. You have all that freedom online to put out whatever you want. Um, but it takes a little bit of diligence. It takes a little bit of working every day,
0: keeping yeah. tabs of it. So... Yeah, definitely.
1: That's my story. And I'm still sticking to it. It took me, uh, I'll tell you this. I remember the first night that I thought about it, I was laying in bed. (laughs) This was before I had a lot of, I didn't have a ton of beats out at the time. A lot of my, uh, this was like early 2020. So my uh, jazz album, my trio album, Splanky, I put out in 2018. And it's made some good traction. And it was doing pretty well. And I, I took a tune, and I, I think, I don't know what happened. I found a playlist on Spotify, and I just looked at the, the guy who ran it. And it was a, a gentleman's name. And then right next to it, you click on the name, and then up pops his picture. And I was like, that's his Facebook picture. Like, that's his Facebook profile picture. Because yeah. most people at the time who signed up for Spotify did it through Facebook. You'd, like, link it to your Facebook account.
0: That's mm-hmm. what it is
1: for me. It's for a lot of people that way and i was like so he's on facebook i have his name and his picture i said i hope this doesn't sound too creepy but i'm just going to look him up and send him a message and say hey i found your playlist on spotify i like it i think i have a song that would be a good fit and i sent that i sent the message on facebook messenger he got back to me like 5 minutes later and said just added it to the playlist and i was like holy fuck that was easy <laughs> i was like <laughs> we got people like paying thousands of dollars for marketing programs and like all these mark online marketing platforms that's the fucking shit they're doing man they're just middlemen you can do that stuff on your own again maybe maybe not as quick maybe not as big but you can
0: still do it on your own and it was a good story i mean that's like that's such a great example of just making it happen and splanky's over it's like 1.2 million now on spotify That's awesome.
1: And then my Christmas album, uh, I put out in 2019. It's called Just Like the Ones We Used to Know. That one, uh, <laughs> this past Christmas, did very well. And uh, with the same hustle, I kind of shifted the hustle towards the Christmas album around uh, September, November, October, yep. December area.
0: Are you and now that one's on that? Over I haven't today. heard that record yet. Are you Are you singing at all?
1: No, we had Natalie sing on that one oh, too. We had Natalie, uh, yeah. Yeah, okay. I, I stayed out. But I might have something brewing in the future with a couple tracks that I'm singing on.
0: Yeah, I always like how you sang, man, like, when we played with the polka band in Minneapolis. Um, and I was going to say earlier, like, I Dude, yeah, I'd shout also out Brass Barn. Brass Barn. <laughs> BB. I, I also very much enjoyed playing polka music and always felt like those gigs were great hangs, were really fun musically. They hit all three. And they paid great. Yeah, yep. man. Like, they hit all three. three yeah, Totally. They like, still do. do. Why? I don't they know. They still man, do. But...
1: Don't all, to all your listeners out there do not start polka bands. Don't <laughs> enter into our do not don't come do into our economy. My, yeah. I mean dude, I'm yeah. in Los Angeles and there's still only like four or five polka bands that are <laughs> killing the scene right now. That's it. That's <laughs> so we're one awesome. of them. Take it. But yeah, that was that was always a lot of fun, man. Doing those Brass Barn was a ton of fun. That was a big band too.
0: Yeah, it was huge. Wasn't it like eight people, All the pieces? older folks were always so just so pumped to see young people making that music too i mean there was a certain like wow i can't believe you guys are doing this you know well west coast pros to, too fast but
1: west coast pros kind of like uh we branched out a little bit over the years and we started doing more dixieland or country western and now we're starting to do some what i like to call dad tunes other people call nice. it yacht, rock, yacht but like, rock just throwing in stuff that people want to hear and uh and having a really good time and not not treating it like a jazz gig or not even treating ourselves like jazz musicians. When we play that music, we're,
0: we're kind of shifting our mindset and it really is a lot of fun. That's cool. Hey, I got one more question for you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the city of Milwaukee, your connection to the city of Milwaukee, what it means to you to be from Milwaukee? If I feel like a lot of people that I know from Milwaukee have such a deep connection to that city, uh, and uh, I'm curious, I'm curious what your relationship is with that, with that, I feel like p- with that being place. And
1: finally, like, dude, finally, for the first time in my life, I can tell people I'm from Milwaukee and they know where it is. So thank you, Giannis Antetokounmpo <laughs> and the Milwaukee Bucks yeah, come <laughs> on, for putting that city on the map, dude. Like, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Milwaukee's a great city. Um, I'm technically from a suburb of Milwaukee called Wauwatosa. Okay. Um, but I, I lived in a house that was probably two blocks away from the, the city of Milwaukee. But, uh, I think anybody from Milwaukee County, uh, is just eager to say that they're from Milwaukee because they do have respect for the city. It's a city of hardworking people, uh, very blue collar yeah, and, uh, still very blue collar. And, uh, I've gotten to know it more. I, at least I've put more effort into trying to get to know how it what it feels like now in Milwaukee every time I visit I try to I just try to reach out to old friends that I knew in high school that I always respected like other guys that are artists doing their own thing out there and I just try to hang out with them and see how they're doing and and what their experience is like in the city and for me personally it is always just kind of fun to have a homecoming Um, I was just there over Christmas and we did a a trio show um, at a a little like coffee bar in uh, Wauwatosa and like nice Everybody came out. It was such a such a good crowd. It was two days before Christmas. It was magical, and like, cool. it was at a Vendetta Coffee Bar. Shout out to Vendetta. Vendetta, and they would love to have us back in the future, and we want to do it. So, I I like Milwaukee. I think uh, there there is a, an interesting history of musicians also coming out of Milwaukee over the years. Um, one of the tops would probably be Al Jarreau. It was a Milwaukee guy that oh, yeah. always. Wasn't afraid to tell people who's was from Milwaukee. You know. Wow, interesting. Yeah. I did not know that. Not yeah, Jareau you know. was a Milwaukee cat. And uh, cool. Berkeley Fudge, one of the greatest tenor players in Milwaukee, hmm. still lives in the area. Uh, Dan Nimmer, a great piano player from Milwaukee. Cool. Now plays with Wynton Marsalis and his uh, orchestra. Wow. So it, it is one of those like cities where we kind of like that people don't know a lot about it, so we want to share. About it with them Yep So if there's one thing You gotta know about Somebody from Milwaukee They're gonna be wearing <laughs> Something that Yeah Milwaukee They're gear, gonna rep absolutely. something Especially yep. when they're traveling If they're in California Or Florida Or Arizona Or Colorado Like They're gonna be wearing something And they're gonna wanna talk to you about it yeah. Talk to you about <laughs> Milwaukee They're very proud people I think that's beautiful
0: people. man I think that's beautiful
1: I think Minneapolis has that too And I think that's why I love going there Uh LA is different man LA is, is one of those things where it's already had it for so long yep. I don't know if people are really proud to say they're from LA because a lot of people just went, moved out to LA it's like a, like a commuter city
0: not as many people are from there yeah
1: yeah, yeah. I meet a lot of in, at least in the music scene
0: I meet a lot of cats from Chicago hmm. that That'd are in uh, LA I'm spending some more time down there now Good. Which is nice. I'm above, you know, uh, in the Upper Peninsula. We're above Wisconsin, so it's it's about the same, almost the same amount of drive to Minneapolis and Chicago. So I started a trio down in Chicago. Really, playing down there a lot more now. Dude, yeah, I hadn't we thought did about an that. Adam Orchestra show down there too. Uh, Where'd you play? I formed a whole whole group of pros in Chicago. Uh, played at Fulton Street Collective. Uh, okay. For like right before the pandemic hit, it was it was right before it was January, and uh, you ever and been the to the recently, Green Mill? <clears throat> oh yeah. That's such a spot, yeah. man. I grew up uh, north north of Chicago, so like a lot, I have a lot of friends that I, like went to high school with that are in Chicago, and you know just a lot of people that I know that went to Lawrence University that moved to Chicago. So I started actually started a trio with a couple dudes that that I went to Lawrence with. But uh, Chicago is you know, such a
1: cozy scene when you're talking about the jazz scene out there specifically. Yeah, and I think when I say I meet a lot of people out here from Chicago, it is more in like. Uh, it's more in the pop scene. Like when we're talking about the big Hollywood touring bands and like the Ariana Grande's and the Justin Timberlakes, you're, you're meeting like musicians, drummers and bass players and keyboard players that are from the Chicago gospel scene. They made their way out here. But as far as the straight ahead jazz scene, a lot of cats have stayed in Chicago their whole life and it has such an identity. It has a sound just like New York city would have. Totally. And so like, yeah, I got a lot of love for Chicago and I'm, I kick myself every day that I didn't go down there more when I lived in Milwaukee. It's an hour yeah. and a half drive, and we thought, oh, that's such a long drive. It's like, <laughs> shit, I drive that every day in L.A. now. Yeah. <laughs>
0: and yeah. it's
1: not a nice drive.
0: <laughs> not a nice drive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you can't stop at uh, Mars Cheese Castle. Oh, dude. We got to get one of those out here. I'll, yeah. I'll start one. <laughs> Franchise. Franchise that shit. Get your passive income game happening, man. It's Franchise your passive income and your capital.
1: cheese income. Yeah, your cheese. You start income. your side cheese
0: hustle. Jesus. <laughs> well, dude, thanks for doing this, man. I appreciate it. I don't need to keep you anymore. I think I think uh, we covered a lot of great stuff, and and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna link uh, Dash Go, uh for our listeners just so they can check that out. Yeah, uh, and uh, I'll link your Spotify and your YouTube. Uh, so I encourage you all that are listening To go check out uh, J-Fab, Jason Fabus and his music He's doing all kinds of great Yeah I will, I will mention I guess I have two
1: Personas on Spotify right now You're going to see Jason Fabus Is more for my jazz projects Or like full album concepts And then J-Fab is My producer name and that's more for uh, Releasing beats and instrumentals And uh, singles so cool. You got to check them both out if you're uh, into one or the other
0: yeah and i know i know meckler's on there too because you and i have you and i have uh some work to do we got to do some collabing ourselves we got to do it we got to do it i got a new single coming out where i'm like singing and stuff i'm uh i'm excited about it and uh more stuff like that I think, you still doing youtubes future. too i'm i am I, I took a little bit of break uh but i'm gonna start it up again i usually do like i'll do like a run of 20 and mm-hmm. then i'll post them all so i've done that a few times now and that's what's up you know after a few months you start to see like oh that one's at 3000 4000 5000 views now cool and uh, you never know and it's like yeah. you're just trying to yeah, tickle I got that one algorithm at 000, and it's like yeah. yeah it's ridiculous it's like i don't even know how it got there you know all of a sudden it started shooting up it's like whoa well
1: either you're going to come out to LA with Corey Wong <laughs> let me know <laughs> fingers
0: crossed man he hasn't called me in a while we'll see we'll see or uh,
1: or uh, or maybe i need to take a trip out to minneapolis and just uh, meander over to to your hood
0: yeah, well, you can come up to UP anytime, and uh, of course, I'm 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 gonna be down in LA eventually for sure. I, I got a buddy that's coming out there from Australia. I work with this Australian artist, Jaron Jay, is really amazing, and uh, okay, I do a bunch of remote horns for him. He's coming to LA, and I got and a Cal King. That's all I'm saying. There's, there's room I for two on here. Come hang, yeah. Come on, come on over. On. We'll bring the kids. <laughs> all right, man. Thanks, man. I love you, Adam. Love you too, buddy. And there it is, my talk with uh, my old friend Jason Fabus and everything he's doing down in L.A. Remember, check out gigbossapp.com for more information on this podcast and to grab some links. Uh, You can also find the links in the description. If you're still listening, please give us a like, uh, give us a review on the podcast platform that you listen, and uh, also check us out on YouTube. Give us a comment, give us a like, give us a subscribe on YouTube. That helps us out. All right, thanks everybody. See you for episode three.